What's up, you guys? This is another episode of the Triple Option Report, where we talk about sports, comics, and pop culture. And today, I want to recap over what happened during Monday Night Football. The first official Monday Night Football game of the season, uh, a much-hyped-up game uh, between the Jets and the, and the Buffalo Bills. I don't have the exact numbers, but I know it had a, a historically high uh, ratings and overall viewership. for the So it, it was, there was a lot of hype around it. And uh, it was kind of a disappointment in a way. Because the thing that was hyped about it was uh, Aaron Rodgers, right? And he didn't... I mean, like, like, he was supposed to be leading this new and improved Jets team and got injured after just four plays. And not just any injury, a, a torn Achilles. At his age, he's, what, 40 years old? And he's already kind of on a downswing in terms of, like, physical ability. Like, he's not... Like, I, I said this in an earlier episode, he's not what he was. But he's still good enough that would still be a significant improvement on paper over what they've had at quarterback for the Jets over the last who knows how many years. So, like, like even with that, like, he's on a downturn athletically, and he gets, gets a torn Achilles at 40 years old. I'm not saying that's the end of his career, but, I mean, it would be very dif- difficult for him to come back from this. Now, there are some doctors who say he can actually come back from this, like, not this year, but next year. But I'm just saying, like, like if he's all, if, uh, if his ability to hit the wall was coming near already, coming back from a torn Achilles will probably boost that. So, it, like, yeah, it, it's it's very unfortunate and a big disappointment overall for the game. But uh, it still ended up being entertaining anyway, in a weird way. Like it, and it's all really because uh, Josh Allen and the Bills. They kind of play horribly. Like, like uh, Josh Allen had one of the worst uh, games of his career, honestly. And I would say the one weakness that he has is that he tends to, because of his physical tools, he tends to make some really bad mistakes because he can, he'll make big risks that less physically gifted quarterbacks would not even think of attempting to do. And it came to fruition... Definitely on Monday night. I mean, he threw, what, three picks? Three interceptions and a fumble? And those three picks, all three of them were entirely his fault. I mean, they they looked like glorified punts. He was just bombing throws out there and just hoping the receivers caught them. And it, it all of it came back to, to bite him and the Bills in the butt. Uh, they lost somehow to the Jets without Aaron Rodgers. Probably because even though they 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 the Jets don't have Aaron Rodgers, they still had Brees Hall. They still had uh, uh, Garrett Wilson. They still had Dalvin Cook. <laughs> they still have Alan Lazard. They still have a very loaded team, offensively. And just overall, their defense is very good too. It's a stacked defense. I'd say arguably even better than their offense. Actually, no, they are better than, <laughs> than their offense without Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you got DJ Reed, uh, Quince, Quentin Williams, uh, CJ Mosley, uh, Sauce Gardner. Crazy thing about Sauce Gardner is he had probably, what, the worst game of his entire NFL career? Uh, it's only been, what, two years? I mean, it's only his second year now, but still. And despite that, <laughs> the Jets defense still held the Bills to 16 points and still picked Josh Allen off three times. Like, this is still, they, they sacked him, I believe, five times. 
So, yeah, like, this Jets defense is legit. And then because of that, and like I said, Garrett Wilson, I mean, that was a crazy touchdown catch. The, the, the offense surrounding Zach Wilson and the defense surrounding him was good enough that they could still edge out a win over the Bills. Now, I, I I would say, like like I said in my last episode, that, yeah, they, they would need a quarterback that's decent enough for them to be able to, to make the playoffs. I do want to reiterate that uh, Brees Hall, if he stayed healthy last year, even with the quarterback they play they had last year, they're on the on the trajectory to make the playoffs anyway. And that team is now older and more experienced and even better now. So who's to say they don't make the playoffs this year even without Aaron Rodgers? Like this is a, this is still an insanely stacked team. Everywhere except quarterback. Oh well, and O line. O line's pretty bad. Yeah, the O line's pretty bad. But like outside of those two things, the two major things, they're amongst the top in the league in literally every other position almost. And so and a great head coach, Robert Sala, he did a phenomenal job also of, of keeping that team under composure, because that was a lot. It just came out of nowhere, and at the very beginning of the game. That could take a toll. But, you know, despite that, they still were able to get their minds right quick enough, quickly enough. Uh, the game didn't fall didn't, uh, uh, didn't fall apart. The game didn't run away from them. They managed to, to keep their composure and pull off a win. And a crazy win at that in a crazy uh, way. Like, uh, what, that crazy, what was it, a kickoff return for a touchdown? In overtime? It's out of nowhere. It, hilarious. The game was hilarious, I would say. Just a lot, a lot of turnovers, a lot of mistakes. It felt like a college game, which is why it was entertaining to me because I love college football. Because part of the reason why is that you just get wacky, crazy stuff like that. Because again, it's not as disciplined as the NFL, which it makes it more entertaining to me. But yeah, like overall, the game was still fun and, and entertaining, even without Aaron Rodgers. And like again, pretty solid man. This man had. Uh, 10 carries for 127 yards, a 12.7 uh, uh, average per rush. That, he was a monster last year as a rookie, and he looks even better now. If he can stay healthy, <laughs> like, with uh, Gary Wilson, who's even better this year, with uh, 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 Alan Lazard and Dalvin Cook, they, that offense is still... I mean, and all that talent on defense, like I said, I really do think they can still make the playoffs. I would not be surprised. So, like, yeah, the, the Jets are, I'm not going to say they're fine. They should probably still look for a quarterback if they really want to. Or like, I would still do it just in case. But, like, all is not lost. And as for the Bills, I think the Bills are okay. I think they're fine. Like, like yeah, that was a bad loss. And yeah, there were a lot of mistakes by the quarterback play by Josh Allen, but I, like I, I still think like he's not gonna do that two games in a row, or even like several games a year. I would say though that uh, if certain other quarterbacks did that, had the type of of uh, performance, a lot of people would be on the on their heads. Specifically, one in Dallas, a lot of people give Dak Prescott flack. And like, oh, it's a turnover machine, and all. But you know, I'll I'll just say like, if you're gonna get on him, you better get on Josh Allen too. 
But yeah, like, I think still, I think the Bills are fine. The Bills still have enough talent. They still have a good enough defense. Uh, Josh Allen on, on most games like that is not like that at all. So like like I, I think that and despite all the mistakes they made, they still only lost us in overtime. So like I still think the Bills make the playoffs, and I still pick them to win the AFCs. Just an off night for them. Now, I would also want to talk about one of the main reasons why Dan Rodgers got hurt. A lot of people think is that turf. I know they're changing it to uh, natural before the World Cup. <laughs> Why they're not just going ahead and, and doing it now, I don't know. I would say artificial turf in general probably needs an overhaul. As in, no more of it. I get for financial reasons, people want to be cheap and all, but you got to think of the health of the players. And natural grass seems a lot more safer than artificial. And it's always been the case, whether it be... Uh, Asho turf or or the type that they have now, like it's always just been used because it's cheaper, but it's definitely not safe. Nowhere near as safe as this straight up natural grass. So I think in the future, uh, teams are just gonna go. At, well, at least teams should just go 100% to grass. Like like I think the days of artificial turf should is going the way that uh, cameras have. Right? Or like the ways of the dodo. Just slowly, gradually being extinct. Because it's, it's not healthy. It's not really needed. Like, I guess if you have like a retractable like stadium type of thing, like, I don't know, maybe. But like, outside of that, there's no need for for uh, <laughs> for uh, turf at all. Um, Now, I would say for both these teams in the future, uh, the Jets... For uh, now, like I said, like I think they can still make the playoffs, but their next game is not. <laughs> it's gonna be tests. So I'll say that the Cowboys. They look good. They look really good. Uh, I'd say along with the Four Niners, they look like the the two best teams in the NFL after Week One. And they both had by far the two best performances because the Giants and Steelers are not scrubs. Those are not bad teams. The Giants and Steelers are teams that can make the playoffs this year, and. They beat them like they were the Cardinals or the Texans. Like, they just demolished them. And the, and how easy it was for them, for them to demolish them from the from out the gate. The Cowboys, man. That D-line, that front seven, scary. And so, I don't know if the Jets' O-line can handle that at all. Like, like that might be, it might be a long day for them, honestly. Or at least a long afternoon since the game starts at 425. But... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, I don't, they probably lose that one pretty handedly. But after that, I, I look at the rest of the Jets' schedule. Um, the Cowboys, yeah, that that's a, that's a loss. Uh, but the Patriots, they can beat the Patriots. They can beat the Broncos. I, I look at the rest of this. Oh, yeah, they can. They can honestly, yeah, honestly, yeah, the Jets can make the playoffs. They can beat the Raiders. The Falcons, the Texans, ooh, they have kind of a, the Commanders, the Browns, the Patriots again. Yeah, they can get nine wins out of that schedule, honestly. Or even ten, even without Aaron Rodgers. Seriously. If they can beat the Bills last night, then they can definitely beat a good chunk of this schedule that they have this for the rest of this year. The Cowboys are probably the toughest game. Well, them and the Chiefs are by far the two toughest teams they play for the rest of the season. So, 
Like, they can definitely make the playoffs with that schedule. Uh, as for the Bills, I look at them, and like I said, the Bills are talented enough that I, I feel confident that they'll make the, the uh, playoffs regardless of uh, who they play coming up. Uh, let's see. Uh, they play the Raiders. They can beat them. They can... Uh, okay, let's see. The Commanders, Dolph... Like, okay. The Giants, Patriots twice, obviously. Uh... Buccaneers, Broncos. Yeah, I think the Bills make the playoffs too. I like the rest of the schedule is not tough either. And they're a very talented team. And that was an outlier to me, I think. That game was just objectively awful performance for them. And so I still think that they still uh, definitely make the playoffs still. So uh, so both those teams will be fine after this Monday night football game. Like like I still have a lot of confidence in both the Bills and Jets making the playoffs. Even with the quarterback situation with the Jets and the overall performance across the board with the Bills. Now, I want to stick with the NFL and go with something else that happened uh, over the last couple of days. And it's something that hasn't really gotten a lot of attention. But I feel like it's going to probably explode in the next uh, couple of days. If not, starting today, uh, it's the Jim Schroeder situation with the NFL Network. Uh, now... Jim Schroeder was just let go by the NFL Network recently. He's now suing the NFL over his termination from the NFL Network and is claiming that NFL owners have said the following. Uh, Bill's owner, and I might not be, I might not be pronouncing his last name right, or well, uh, Terry Pajula, if the black players don't like it here, they should go back to Africa and see how bad it is. This is in reference to uh, player protests against racial injustice. And Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones... It was not the first. It's not the first time he's been involved in stuff like this. Uh, if blacks feel some kind of way, they should buy their own team and hire who they want to hire. Regarding the lack of black professionals in decision-making positions on NFL teams. So, like I said, this is just the beginning. Uh, but those are wild accusations that, honestly, I would not be surprised if they were true. I kind of believe them, honestly. I know, like, technically you're not supposed to do it. Look, I'm just saying from personal opinion and from what we know about certain NFL owners, including ones who have been stated just here, that seems like a very likely thing they would say. So, uh, yeah, this is the beginning. But uh, a major story, I think, is going to come out of this. Uh, this is going to be a, a big thing, a big deal. Definitely. And, and not just NFL, but all sports, honestly. Could honestly get into major news. Just because of who they're, who this is implying to, and just the fact that it's NFL. So, uh, yeah, definitely focus on this and what's going to come in the future with in, gar in regards to this story. Uh, now, that's all I have for today, and uh, the last thing I have left is my big-time pick. Uh, my last one, I was almost right. <laughs> it didn't come exactly the way I thought it would. Uh, I thought that it would be a close game that would go down to the wire, could possibly be overtime, and, and I thought the Bills would take like edge out the Jets for the win. It is it went down to overtime, and the Jets ended up winning, but it was without Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, I mean it happened, but it didn't happen the way I thought it would. But uh, for this next uh, big time pick, I'm gonna go back to uh, one of my favorite sports in track and field. It's the last official like major track and field meet of the year, practically. Uh, the Nike Prefontaine Classic in Eugene, Oregon. It's also the last race of the Diamond League. And uh, 
though, like I said before, like way earlier episodes, uh, whoever wins in track and field, like the Diamond League is like the regular season for them in a way, like the major one. And whoever wins, like, I guess, like, whoever can accumulate the most points across each Diamond League event throughout the year is, like, the top 10 or top 9 are put into the finals of, like, the official Diamond League finals event, like, the final event itself. And the winner of each of these events gets an automatic buy into the next uh, Outdoor World Championships. So the next one is the year 2025, after the Olympics next year. And the winners of these Diamond League finals, I believe, will get, in, of each, like, event, get an automatic buy for that event into the 2025 World Championships. So, it's a big deal. And uh, there's a couple races I really wanted to focus on. Well, about four. It's not going to be, it's not going to take long. I'll, I'll just, like, do a quick uh, summary over it and, like, who I think wins. But it's the men's 100, men's 200, and women's 100, and women's 200. And I just want to say, like, these are pretty big events because also possibly we could see a world record, who knows, in one of these events, if not, maybe two of them. And, like, again, all four have people who are going to be big stars for next year's Olympics. So on the men's 100-meter side, uh, the official uh, men's 100-meter dash lineup for the Nike Prefontaine Classic is Noel Lyles, Christian Coleman, Marvin Bracey Williams, Akeem Blake, Johan Blake, Keyshane, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct, Thompson, Atsile Tabogo, Ferdinand Almanyala, and Joshua Hartman. Three from the U.S., three from Jamaica, one from Botswana, one from Kenya, one from Germany. Now, who do I think wins my prediction for this? I think Noel Lyles wins. I would not be surprised if Christian Coleman wins. He's been out of, uh, he's been running, uh, I'd say his best times in, in a while, probably since, ooh, 2019. And definitely consistency-wise, he's been running his best since 2019, recently. So that feels, that fares well for him for, for next year, definitely. You can keep this up. But, uh, yeah, like, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he wins. But one thing that's hurt Christian Coleman again, and that hurt him at the recent World Championships, is finishing the, the races. His starts have been explosive he has the best start probably in history not probably he does have the best start in history so like like the first 50 is not a problem it's that last 50 though like i don't know if it's top and speed or stamina or lack thereof but like he always gets caught by whoever is the best finisher in his race when it comes to these races lately and that's usually been noah lyles and noah lyles honestly he's probably the best in the game no not probably he is the best in the game when it comes to, to top end speed so again coleman is gonna have to have a strong start and a good enough finish if he were to to, to, to pull off the upset but i think that right now he probably needs one more year to to, to, to get better at stamina in the second halves like he had 2019 so i say uh, no allows pulls off the win uh, fast start by Coleman, and Noel Lyles runs him down to, to, to get a quick win. And don't be surprised if Noel Lyles gets a, a new world-leading time, too. Uh, now, the women's 100-meter dash, that's a big race. We got Shakari Richardson from the U.S., Tonisha Terry from the U.S., Sharika Jackson from Jamaica, Elaine Thompson-Hara from Jamaica, Natasha Morrison from Jamaica, Dina Asher-Smith from the U.K., Imani Lunsequo, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, I'm probably not, from the U.K., uh, Marie Jose Talu from 
uh, Ivory Coast, and Zoe Hobbs from New Zealand. So, I look at this race. This is a huge race because you got Sharika Jackson and Elaine Thompson going against Shakari Richardson. I think Shakari wins again. I think that she's starting how she ran, uh, like, uh, in that world title, that world championships, right? She beat Sharika Jackson, and she ran her down. Sharika Jackson's strength is her second half. And she had a worse start than Sharika Shikari and ran her down. And she celebrated at the end and still ran a championship record. Like, she could run better than that. I feel like she can still get better starts than that. She has had better starts than that. And she still ran, what, a 10-6-5, I think? Like, like, I look at that and I just think that she doesn't have to have a, a good start at all, really. Just a, a, a okay start. A below-average start. And I think that she's got the top-end speed and the stamina. Like, she's got that down pat to the point that just with a, a mediocre at best start, she can still guarantee, like, a sub-10-7 when she's putting it all together in that second half. So I think in these big races, I think in this race, I think Shikari still pulls off the win. Next year, it's going to be different, though. Maybe it's going to be interesting, though. I'm not going to say different. Because, like I said, she can get faster in this. Because Elaine Thompson, whatever she's got left, she's going to... Again, she won't be hurt next year. She'll be all in. So oh, it's going to be interesting how how fast that race is going to go. Uh, men's 200 is another one. I have uh, some of the main guys like Aaron Knight and Kenny Bednarik, uh Andre de Grasse, Let's see the Tobogo. I look at this race, and I think Arian Knighton, I, I see winning. Like, first off, he beat all these guys in the finals of 200 this year, and when it mattered most in world championships. And I think he just, he's mo- he's the best specialist out of his group. Maybe Kenny Bednarik, like, when it comes to running. Like, I think... He's the best. So well, let me let me go reword this actually, because I don't know if he's the best specialist. Because again, Andre DeGrasse is here, and he's been running two hundreds for years. But I think he's the best right now, physically and like knowing how to master a race out of this group. Because DeGrasse probably knows, like you know, he's better skill at it, probably more experienced. But he's not as prime, I don't think. While Aaron Knighton is. Now the thing about Aaron Knighton is. He's still super young. And, like, I think he wins. And I think uh, Bednarik is right behind him. But how how much more improved will he be for next year? How big of a jump will he have next year? He's only 19. This is his first official season of track and field where he's not in high school. Which is crazy. <laughs> and he won a silver. But, uh, uh, like, like, I just want to tell you guys, like, how fast this kid is. Right? Like, like. He was, what, uh, as a 19-year-old this year, people thought people were thinking, like, I don't know how much more he can go, man. I'm kind of disappointed in what he's doing. Like, because he's running, what, 1980s and 1970s consistently? He's just straight out of high school. <laughs> and he's running 1980s and 1970s consistently. Like, I, like that's crazy. I, I'm confused why people would, uh, feel worried about, like, like, oh, his future. He's not even 20 yet. He's nowhere near his prime. So, like, like, I don't know how much faster he can go, but I like it. Could he challenge Noel Lowes next year? Maybe. He can, he, if he's turning 20 next year, I like it. He can set big enough of, of a jump. Who knows? But another one is Kenny Bednarik. Again, he's younger than Noel Lyles by multiple years. I think we kind of forget that. 
Like, he's still super young. What, 23, I think? Or 24? Like, he's still got several years left. So, like, these guys... Again, and Tobogo, too. He's going to be a monster, too, uh, next year as well. Like, the, the future of track and field sprinting on both the men's and women's side is very bright. Uh, now, for the last race, the women's 200-meter dash, I don't know if, if... Now, going back to the women's 100, I don't know if Shrika's going to probably one, run both because she's running 202. And that's just a lot in one day. <laughs> uh, but if she just sticks to the 200... Now, here's the thing. There are other big names in this group, right? Like, in a way, like, you got Kayla White and Jennifer Prandini, Tanisha Terry, uh, Talu again. You got, uh, from the Bahamas, uh, Antonique, uh, Shreytan, uh, Dale Netta. You got some, some names in here, but, like, Shriek is the runaway, the runaway favorite here in this race. And the thing is not, like, who's gonna win. A lot of people, including me, believe Shriek is gonna win. The question is, is she gonna break world record? She's come close, and she's feel confident these last couple of weeks that she can break Flojo's 200 world record. She came super close these last two uh, races in a row now. World Championships and the Diamond League. Broke the Diamond League record. Like, like, I don't know, man. If she keeps it up for next year, honestly, she very well could break Flojo. If she broke Flojo's record next year, I wouldn't be surprised at all. In the 200. She's that good at it. She's amazing, honestly. And, like, like she was able to perfectly convert her quarter-mile speed, like, endurance to her top-end speed in 200. Like, yeah. Like, she's a monster. And just how fast she's been running. So, uh, 21 fours. Like, two weeks in a row now. <laughs> I, like, I wouldn't be surprised. Heck, I wouldn't be surprised if she broke it now. If she broke it now... You know what? I'm going to do a bold prediction here. My, my big-time picks. Here's my big-time picks. Men's 100, no allows wins. And makes a new world lead in the process. Uh, women's 100, Shakari Richardson wins. And wouldn't be surprised if, if she made a new world lead, too, with, like, faster than 10.65. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if she eventually went to sub-10.6 next year, either. By the way, in 100. She's that good. Uh, men's 200, Aaron Knight wins. I think he, he, he uh, has a new season's best in the process. Again, watch out and make that big jump next year and challenge Noah Lyles in the 200. And I think in, in the women's 200, I'm going to say, I think Sharika Jackson. Ooh, I don't know, man. That's fast. Screw it. I think she breaks Flojo's world record this weekend at the, uh, in Eugene, Oregon, in the Nike Prefontaine Classic, the last uh, Diamond League event of the year. And we folks are going to have a lot of hype for the 2024 Paris Olympics next year. So I just want to thank you guys for listening to this. And uh, again, without you guys, I don't have this. We're pushing 50 episodes, like I said before, and it's entirely because of you guys. So again, thank you all. Also, thank you guys for uh, downloading and subscribing and liking and following my podcast, The Triple Ops Report, on all platforms. And... I want to thank you guys for following me on Twitter. Pulliam underscore Blake. P-U-L-L-I-A-M. All lowercase. And for following me on threads, if you still do that. <laughs> uh, Blake underscore Pulliam1. All lowercase. And for following me on TikTok. Uh, the Triple Option Report. So uh, that's it for today. 
See you guys again on Friday. Again, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. See you guys. Bye.